Hello and welcome back to the Drew View. In today's show, we are going to be talking about Mike Pence and Chris Christie jumping into the Republican primary race to further crowd the field and what that means for those already declared. I'm Drew Bennett and you're listening to the Drew View. Alrighty, folks, thank you guys for coming back for another episode of the show. So Mike Pence is set to announce that he is jumping into the race on June 7th. So essentially, I just said that he's jumping into the race because he is. So he hasn't jumped in quite yet, but he will officially declare on June 7th. And Chris Christie is also supposed to make an announcement at some point next week. So what is all of these candidates jumping into the race mean for the Republican Party, for the Republican primary? What does all of this mean? Because there are a bunch of candidates who have already declared and adding a few more interesting candidates into the race will make this primary season very interesting. Because when it comes time for a debate, it is going to be 2016 all over again. So if you think back all the way back to 2016, if you look at all of the candidates who had declared and had jumped into the race at the start of 2016, there was a whole slew of candidates at the very beginning of the primary season. There were so many Republicans up there. I don't even remember all of them. I think the main ones were Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Donald Trump, Jeb Bush, there was Chris Christie was up there. I want to say Lindsey Graham and Rand Paul at some point, Ben Carson, uh, the governor, uh, Kasich. There were so many Republicans up there. And I think that you're going to see a very similar thing this year because the Republican Party is very divided over whether to stick to the more MAGA side of the party or whether to go back to the more establishment, moderate side of the party. Now, most of the people in the party have made it pretty clear that they are sticking with the more MAGA or the more Trumpian Republican side of the party, because if you look at people like Nikki Haley, like Tim Scott, they are polling lower than people like Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, who are more of the or they are considered more MAGA Republicans. But what we're running into, and the issue that we're running into and the Republican Party is facing, is that when there are so many candidates, all that they are doing is helping Donald Trump get reelected. And what do I mean by that? Well, Donald Trump has at least 40% of the Republican Party on lock. There's about 40% of the Republican Party who will not vote for any else. They won't vote for DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Vivek, any of those candidates. They will not vote for them. They will only vote for Trump or whoever Trump endorses. So that's 40% of the party right there. Now, if it were a two-candidate race and it were Trump and DeSantis, DeSantis would have a very good shot at coming close, if not defeating Trump in a primary. And I'm not saying that he won't or he can't, but when you have so many different candidates that all are doing 
the same thing. All are offering up the same policies and coming at it from the same direction. What you see is that no single candidate is going to be able to mount a successful campaign against Trump because it is going to be split in 10 different ways because you're going to have possibly Chris Sununu, Chris Christie. You're going to have Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, him, Scott, Vivek, DeSantis, uh, Nikki Haley, if I haven't said her already. There, Larry Elder. There are a couple more candidates even. Asa Hutchinson. All of these candidates are going to get little portions of the vote, but nobody is going to be able to get enough of the vote to really mount enough of a campaign against Donald Trump. And that is where the Republican Party is going to run into some issues. Now, how could they fix this? How could they go about it? Well, the best thing that could happen for someone like a DeSantis or a Vivek or a Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, etc., is if Donald Trump goes down a little bit once the debates start and once primary season is ready to begin and one of the other candidates jumps out above all the rest, whether that be, it'll most likely be DeSantis, but you could possibly see maybe Vivek or Tim Scott, possibly, I don't think Nikki Haley or any of them will jump up. But if you see anyone like them jump up higher than all the rest, what could happen is all the other candidates are essentially there because they don't want Trump to be the nominee again. So if all of them bow out and endorse whoever the second candidate is other than Trump, then you could see a possibility of them defeating Trump. And one of the things that I kind of think about is the Republican primaries. It really goes through about four different states are really the key determiners in who is going to be the nominee. It's the four caucuses or the four states that have the primary held in their state first. First is Iowa. That's why, if you don't know, that is the first state that kind of sets the stage for what it's going to look like. And usually, the person who wins Iowa tends to have a good shot at winning the nomination because they are getting in there first, they're doing well, and then it goes through, uh, you know, other states. But that is usually a key determiner. Usually, after Iowa, if some people don't do as well as they expected, they'll bow out, stop spending more money. It kind of just, Iowa really sets the stage. But if you want to think of that, also keep in mind that Donald Trump did not win Iowa. He got less delegates than Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz actually got the most delegates in Iowa. So there is some things that can change from that first uh, primary state in the Republican primary. So you have Iowa first. That is going to be a big state. If DeSantis somehow pulls out a win in Iowa, then he's looking good. If Trump wins big in Iowa, then he's looking really good. If somehow one of the other candidates found a way to jump up super high and get a huge amount of the delegates maybe second to Trump or second to DeSantis, if some other candidate jumped up in the race, you could see them also be candidate worth looking into, an interesting candidate. So there are a few things to kind of look at with 
we come to Iowa. So that's going to be a big state that a lot of these Republicans who are really serious about winning this primary, they're going to spend a lot of time in Iowa because that's really going to set the stage for the rest of the primary cycle. And after Iowa, you will see New Hampshire. New Hampshire is the second state that will hold like the primary there. And I believe that that will be another indicator. I think New Hampshire will probably be less inclined to vote for Trump. You will probably see DeSantis or maybe even Nikki Haley or Tim Scott get more of the New Hampshire vote. That will be another state that kind of sets the stage for what the primary is going to look like. Will it be clear by then that it's going to be Trump versus DeSantis? Is there going to be any other candidates between Iowa and New Hampshire that kind of jump out? What is that going to look like? You could see Chris Sununu end up with a little piece of the pie if he ends up declaring because he is from New Hampshire. So just some things to look out for. Then you're going to move to South Carolina. Now, South Carolina is an interesting one because two of the candidates uh, that are kind of polling a little bit lower but are still trying to mount a successful campaign are from South Carolina, Nikki Haley and Tim Scott. So I think both of them will probably end up getting a good amount of the vote. I think DeSantis's vote will probably drop when you get to South Carolina because you will have Nikki Haley and Tim Scott who offer similar things to Ron DeSantis. And then you'll also have, obviously, your Trump base voting for him. So just based off of those three, I think the highest likelihood is that Trump gets a majority of the vote in all three of those states. And then it's becoming clear that it's going to be Trump. And some of the candidates by then might stay in. They might stick around. Uh, if you see somebody like DeSantis coming in second place consistently, he'll probably stay in. If you see somebody staying in third place consistently, but maybe gaining some more traction, maybe Tim Scott started off in Iowa low and then he got more in New Hampshire and more in South Carolina, he'll probably stay in. Or same thing with Nikki Haley. You could even see somebody stay in like Vivek or Larry Elder. I don't think either of those are going to go too far, unfortunately. But if you saw them do well in one of those states, maybe come in third place in Iowa or New Hampshire, then when that happens, you'll see them stick around. But I think after this point, you'll see a lot of candidates start to kind of drop off. And especially when you come to Nevada, that is the fourth state. And that those are really the four first states and the most important ones. And then you'll come to Nevada and most likely, again, you'll see a Trump DeSantis and then somebody else. So I believe by the end of the first four states, it'll probably be down to Trump, DeSantis, and maybe a couple of other people. I don't really see anyone other than maybe uh, Favek sticking around just because he actually has ideas that are different from the other two candidates. Most of the other people in the race, I keep forgetting, Pence announced, but uh, most of the people like a Mike Pence, like a Nikki Haley, a Tim Scott, a lot of those people, they have a lot in common with DeSantis, or they at least have enough where they can say, okay, I'm not going to win. I don't want Trump to win. So I should probably just endorse DeSantis. So what will probably end up happening is 
one by one, these people will start dropping off and endorsing somebody that's in the field. You might end up with more people sticking around just to see if there's anything else that they can do. But I think it's really going to come down to Trump and DeSantis being the main two, unless you see somebody. The only other real candidates that I can see even putting up a fight with those two are Vivek and Mike Pence, just because those two are, uh, they're very different, but they also have different appeal. Vivek is young and he has new ideas to bring to the table that are different from every other candidate. And Mike Pence, he is essentially a more establishment. Ron DeSantis, he is a nice guy, but he's just that sort of moderate, uh, the Trump without the baggage. He's really just like DeSantis, but I could see him having some appeal to some voters. So if he ends up getting a good portion of the vote, I could see him sticking in the race. But it is going to be interesting. It will be interesting to see. I think by the end of it, you will see it down to two, three, maybe four candidates. But it really is, in all actuality, going to come down to Trump and DeSantis. Those are the only two that I think can mount a successful campaign. The only thing I would say to look out for, because this could always happen, you could have somebody like Chris Christie come in and be an absolute wrecking ball and knock a couple people down in the polls. I think what he's going to do, because let's be honest, Chris Christie knows that he's not going to win the primary, but what he thinks he can do is he's a great debater, so he thinks he can come in and be a wrecking ball and knock a few people down in the polls and maybe boost himself up or maybe boost another candidate up. So probably the two people he'll go out swinging at first will be Trump and DeSantis. He'll probably want to try and knock Trump out first, although that's kind of hard to do because Trump also plays dirty in debates. But I think he could also, there's a possibility he knocks DeSantis and he has, DeSantis has like a Marco Rubio moment where he gets embarrassed by Chris Christie. And next thing you know, the top two candidates are no longer Trump and uh, DeSantis, but it's Trump and Pence or Trump and Vivek or heck Trump and Chris Christie. But I doubt that we'll ever get to that point. But I think that's the only reason that Chris Christie is an interesting candidate. And the reason that he's jumping in the race is just to see who he can knock down in the polls to see if he could get enough people knocked down in the polls to boost himself up because that really was Donald Trump's strategy in 2016. He went one by one and picked off everybody. Jeb Bush, oh, he's low energy Jeb. Oh, he, you know, he'll go on about Jeb. And then once he was knocked down, then you've got whoever else, you know, he'll make fun of just about anybody. So it really is going to be interesting when it comes time for the debates to see how it shakes out. A lot of people are just saying, hey, this is ridiculous. Everybody should bow out and endorse DeSantis or everybody should bow out and endorse Trump. And that's not how primaries work. They're big boys. They can debate. We will see how it turns out come time for the primary elections. And then, of course, whoever wins that and when it comes time for the general elections. The only thing that I think the Republican Party would be stupid to do, and this is 100% something that the Republican Party would do, is 
spend way too much money on the primary. So let's just say the establishment Republicans really, really want DeSantis to beat Trump. They're going to pour all of this money into getting DeSantis up in the polls, and he might win a couple states. But with Donald Trump getting a vast majority of the votes, it really doesn't mean anything. You just spent a whole crap ton of money for no reason, and then you have less money to spend in a general election against Biden. So I think that's the biggest thing that Republicans need to steer clear of if they want to mount a successful campaign, just because you're not going to beat Joe Biden if you spend all of your money on the primaries and leave none for whoever wins the primary. Now, if Trump wins, they'll say, oh, see, he's unelectable. We told you he was unelectable. Ha ha. That's because you got rid of all the funding. Now, if DeSantis wins, they'll find a way to give him more funds regardless. But anyway, that's kind of my thoughts on the first four primary states, how that's going to shake out and what the Republican primary is going to start to look like. Hopefully this is one of my last Republican primary videos, uh, episodes rather, because I don't know who else could possibly jump into the race that's worth talking about unless you see some way out of left field candidate jump in that nobody thought and you have like a crazy moment where somebody jumps in and like it catches everybody by surprise. But if anyone else jumps in, I don't think it's going to be anyone really of note. I might mention it, but I don't think it's going to play too much of a difference. This is kind of one of my final predictions for the summer of 2023. And I know the summer has just started, but I don't think anyone else is going to jump into the race or anything really is going to happen in the race that's going to solidify anything in the Republican primary. I'll probably make another prediction type video, talk about what I think the Republican primary is shaking out to be or look like maybe in the fall, maybe about a year out from election day of 2024, kind of a year out from election day, who is looking like is going to be the nominee. So other than that, this should be the last actual episode where I talk about what the Republican primary is going to look like or some crazy event happening. But anyway, guys, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't, go back and listen to this week's episodes. I've got some good stuff in there. There's my Memorial Day episode. If you haven't listened to that, I really suggest going to listen to that. It was really fun to sit down with my grandpa and do that interview. I also talk in Tuesday's episode about the renaming of different forts that is happening across the country. And then yesterday I talked about things that everybody should be able to agree on regarding the debt ceiling and all of the chaos that's going on with that. So hopefully you guys have a chance to go back and listen to some of those. But thank you guys for sticking around until the end of another episode. I'm going to end now with my closing prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the state you've given us. Thank you for just another day to come on and speak into this microphone. And Father, I just ask that the words that I say be a reflection of you to those who hear them. And Father, I just ask that you help our country. We just pray for our country and all of the chaos that's going on, Lord. But we just pray that you will help guide us, give our leaders wisdom. 
and help us to be more like you in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. Alrighty, folks, hopefully you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for sticking around until the end of it. I can't wait to see you guys back here again next week for some more great content. And next week, we're going to hit episode 50. But until I see you then, stay blessed.